Welcome to Conversations Matter. I'm Hans Hickler. And I'm Molly Burkholm. Molly and I are big fans of having real, deep conversations. So sit back, relax, be present, and really enjoy this one. Welcome to Conversations Matter. I'm here with my dear friend and co-host, Hans Hickler, and another dear friend, Nikki McKean in Toronto, Canada. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this morning in meditation, I was sitting with uh, the three of us gathering together for this conversation, and I was thinking about this moment in time in which we're in the midst of covid um, you know, a real reckoning with racial and social equality, um, as well as so many other interpersonal traumas, financial traumas, um, life traumas of all shapes and varieties. And I was thinking about how the three of us have all had some very strong doses of trauma in our lives. And I've noticed that, um, you know, this is a trauma. This is a trauma for many, many people. Um, I would say, I mean, I, I know I can speak for myself in saying that it's been a trauma to be in the midst of this quarantine and a real reconciliation with so many belief systems. But one of the things that's helped is to kind of put it in a context of a larger story. Um, so Nikki, I'm wondering, I know it's always a little odd to start a conversation with, so could you tell me a little bit about your trauma and how it relates to the present moment? But that's kind of what I want to ask. And I also want to ask it very openly and sincerely, because I really believe that the more we're able to talk about our vulnerability in the open, um, the more we'll find connection and compassion um, in the midst of everything that's happening. So, hey, Nick, want to talk about your trauma and how it's affecting you in the present moment? <laughs> you know, I always do. Um, well, I mean, the world is full of surprises, right? And it feels like collectively, all of a sudden, we are in it together globally, which um, in a way, for me, personally, there's comfort in that. Um, like it, it actually made it, it like, even as I say that, I'm like, where do I feel in my body? What sensation is present? Because I know in my own personal experience, uh, for me specifically with going through two cancer diagnosis was it's very isolating and it was very, um, lonely, even though I had an amazing community, there was a sense of disconnect and trying to get back into a space to find connection, like that was the one thing that I was yearning for. How do I find connection with myself? And how do I find connection with anyone in anything that I touch in a, in a way where the main experience was that that felt to be love and or peace? It didn't take away all the other things. And I, I feel that right now. I feel that people are... Um, really pivoting and trying to find ways at, like at all lengths to find connection. Um, and, and that has been interesting to observe. And specifically for me during this time, I feel so like I've never been more grateful for my health because for a lot of people, the time that we're living in right now is their absolute full cup. It's, 
it's more than what the normal person can handle. There's so many layers to what's going on. And I feel like having had the experience of not so great times, I feel like I'm able to show up in this experience in a way that I have the toolbox. You know, I not only am I in survivor mode, but I, I come with tools that have been the new groove, the new way for me for a long time, which I think not a lot of people have that. Nikki, um, can we dig into the toolbox a little bit? Um, you know, in your experience, you, you went through two cancer recurrences. And I, I, one of the things, you know, in our previous discussions, the difference between the first and the second was, for example, your yoga nindra and, and how that helped you face your trauma in a completely different way the second time around. You know, everything from the, the value of breath and, and, and living in the present and, and, and accepting the present. Can you talk a little bit about how you got the toolbox and, and how the toolbox is helping you now and might help our listeners? Absolutely. The difference between going through cervical cancer and going through breast cancer was very different. I would say the first experience through cervical cancer, I had a lot of connection with my husband and connection with my friends and family for sure and just the overall support. But I definitely didn't have my own personal toolbox to really dig into my own personal survivorship mode. So it was wonderful that I had great family, great friends, great community. When I dove into in between cervical cancer and breast cancer, there is no doubt that somewhere along the line between being diagnosed with cervical cancer and being diagnosed with breast cancer, which was just shy of two years, I really started to inquire, like ask the questions that I wanted answering. Like there, there felt like a call to there's more to this and you need to show up in a way that's very accountable for you. And my mother always really talked a lot about that. You know, like you wake up in this world by yourself, even though it's collective with everyone else. And you need to make sure that you have the things that make your heart click or the tools that you need. Now, I feel like she had the tools, but she never really, it's not that she didn't teach them to me. It's just, and I remember Molly saying this to me once, like, you need to share them. They're, they're, if, if they're just for yourself, you're not, you're doing the service to everyone around you. It's not, it's not enough for it to just be working for you. You need to be able to articulate that to the people around you so that they too can fill up the toolbox. So what's in the toolbox? Well, I dove deep into a yoga and meditation practice. I really started to set clear boundaries on my work-life balance and who was in and who was out. You know, I think Molly has always really taught me, you know, you are the people who you surround yourself with. And I had to really take a close eye and say, who are those people? And are they bringing life and vibrancy into my experience? Or are they taking that away? And then I met Molly uh, in Bahamas. And that was, you know, when the real work began for me in regards to the yoga nidra, I had been really having a lot of trouble with anxiety and sleep. And to be honest, I I'm not even sure exactly how I got there because I'm not even sure at the time I was being really honest about how difficult it was for me in the moment. I didn't think that I had PTSD. I didn't think that I had gone through trauma. 
it was kind of like, oh, no, not me. That's for someone else. And when we start to do things like that, it can be so harming for our own growth. And so Molly really brought me into a space of welcoming all that is present, welcoming anger, welcoming frustration, welcoming joy, and and really starting to learn that the opposites can live together, but that the main experience and our true nature is that which is joy, that which is peace. But that to, to, to get there in this human experience, we have to do the work. We have to be able to show up. You know, it's, it's really interesting, Nikki, because when we talk about different types of trauma, whether someone has sexual trauma or um, trauma from COVID or trauma from cancer or trauma from an accident or an injury or relationship, a challenge, all those types of trauma are united in the sense that they, in the moment or in the time in which the trauma occurred, we didn't have a choice. And even if we look right now at what's happening in the world with uh, the racial um, reckoning that's occurring and and the desire for LGBTQ people to have an equal chance to have a family and a life and legal rights um, to the same as uh, their heterosexual, um, you know, uh, other citizens in the world. What, no matter what we're talking about, in all those situations, there is a place where there is not a choice occurring where someone doesn't have a choice. And so, so much of this traumatic reconciliation process involves finding ways in which we can have a choice. So I know for me, meditation has been the number one thing that's helped with that. Um, but I also know, Hans, for you too, that's been huge. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit, I'd love to hear from both of you, um, but I was Thinking of Hans, your experience in the moment when you really realized that meditation was something that gave you back a sense of choice. Well, I think you know you you know my story a little bit, but uh, my sort of Hans 2.0 was was sort of a function of a bunch of things: my broken neck injury coming back, and me learning how to meditate, and really doing work on my value system and on my belief systems. And meditation was sort of the the channel by which I was able to really look inside me and understand what I really believe in and, and what's important to me and how I, the values I'm going to ascribe to. And I, I think, you know, Nikki, you, you said, uh, you talked about resilience. I think we naturally have a resilience. We are resilient against a lot of things. And you almost have to break that down to really understand what you what you really believe in, what your true belief systems are, right? And and however you do that, for me, meditation has helped do that because I look inwardly and I I try to really be true to the present. And out of that comes a different kind of resilience. And I think a resilience to address trauma is a lot easier when you know who you are and how you can face things. The strengths that you have and the strengths that you don't have, your, the demons you have. Mm-hmm. You know, we did a, a podcast the other day uh, where we talked about this concept of maybeness. You know, even Nikki now says, you know, opposites can live together. But in order for them to live together, you've got to know them. You've got to know the, the duality in yourself to understand the presence of yourself. And I, I think, you know, you know like, like Nikki, that when you had your breast cancer, and you did all this work on yourself, one of the things that came out of that was, you know, your decision not to have reconstructive surgery, for example. 
there's a belief system there that said, I want to live my life this way. And I, I think that came out of trauma. You had a choice in that yeah. moment, whereas many people don't perceive they do. And you chose to honor yourself. That's, yeah. That's such a great insight. It's that. And that, that's to a springboard to all yeah. of the things that Nikki has done, how she's used her experiences to help others and how she's used that experience to, to create strength and, and purpose within herself. To me, that's, I, I admire that so much because it's, an, it's a big example of the kinds of little things we deal with all the time in our life. And now, in the context of all this turmoil going on now, a lot of people aren't prepared for that. So, yeah, so Nikki, in the face of everything happening now, you've had some really powerful, one of the reasons I really wanted to do this podcast is exactly what Hans was just mentioning. Of You've been able to become so self-aware that you're really able to tune in, not to just to your needs, but also you and your husband, Vic, own um, several restaurants in Toronto, amazing, delicious restaurants, Piano Piano and Cafe Can Can. And you, um, your belief system has also had the chance to, affect the ways in which other people experience their trauma. So would you talk about that, Nikki, about how your belief system and the choices that you empower in yourself and other people have affected your ability to navigate the situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you for sharing so beautifully, Hans. Like the belief systems are huge, right? That's where, that's where it begins. Like that, like you couldn't have said it better. And I think that it's like if we were to walk down the street and ask someone, a stranger, let's say, you know, what's your goal or what do you want out of life or what's your heartfelt desire or what are your belief systems? I'm not sure how many out of 10 people would be able to answer those questions. Maybe because for like of, of so many different reasons, but when we're faced with adversity, when we're faced with trauma and or difficult choices and or, I mean, the list goes on, if we haven't taken a moment to have any reflection to understand what our core beliefs are from whatever influences, whether them be circumstantial, whether they be from family, whether they be with work life, personal life, I mean, the list goes on. If you haven't, if you don't have any daily practices that start to peel back the layers and what your belief systems are, it, the, the time right now is very abrupt because the time that we're living in currently, thank God, to be honest, is a time where everyone is being asked to really evaluate what your belief systems are and also evaluate whether or not they are actually true to what you want. And that is huge. And so when we are faced with circumstances that are out of our control, what I find comforting is that I have practices that even if just for a moment, even if just for a meditation or a breathing exercise or a nidra, I can get into a space where my beliefs, my ideas, the thoughts, they become my distinct reality. The, the being is the thought. So if I believe that I'm healthy, whole and complete just as I am, that even if just for a moment is my truest reality. And there's peace in that. And I, I'm so grateful for these practices because I've done the work. I've wrote in my journal. I understand what my belief systems are. So when I go into a conversation, I know where I stand. No one is, similarly to breast cancer, no one is going to change my mind 
because it's something that is so true to me that nothing that they say or do is going to influence it. And that is so important. So Nikki, that deep inner sense of resolution, of knowing your mind and being able to make decisions based upon that, um, that is something that is certainly of the utmost importance in life. And yet, you know, I'll speak honestly, I've personally found it very hard to get to the place where I can do that easily. It was interesting on, uh, actually it's on, it's posted on my Facebook account if anyone wants to see it and on YouTube, but I was doing, I'm doing a lot of, um, interviews now on news shows with, um, you know, talking about the effects of COVID on trauma and on resilience and everything like that. And so recently I was asked to be on a show. I won't say which one, but again, you can find it there. Um, but I was asked to be on the show and I didn't know anything about it compared to any of the other shows in which, you know, usually play out in a similar way. But the lead up to my interview, the, the, the interviewer said, you know, a lot of people are complaining that this COVID staying home and all this is, you know, is PTSD. And, you know, is this actually a real PTSD or is this just some leftist liberal hippie agenda? <laughs> and I, I, it was so interesting because I was completely caught off guard. And at, there was this moment in my head of kind of wanting to jump and go crazy like, mama bear style like yes of course people losing their jobs and not being able to leave their house and losing their money and their kids not being able to go to school and family members dying and getting sick yeah that definitely qualifies as a trauma people having flashbacks nightmares anxiety depression all these things Th that's real trauma but instead I like this I had this moment of wanting to react and then I stepped back and I was like no this is actually a valuable chance because a lot of people have that shameful view of trauma and it's one that is very debilitating. It shuts people down from actually sharing. So Nikki, in your, in having the restaurant and in being a mom and in being an advocate for uh, cancer survivors, you really have a lot of chance to, you've, ha you've had the chance to find your voice and seeing things like I did on that interview used to be very hard for me and they're becoming easier. But I'm curious to you, I feel like this is a moment where speaking our truth and being able to say, yeah, I'm having hard emotions and that person over there is having hard emotions and this is how I'm going to hold space to let people be heard. And by the way, I don't think this is just COVID. It also relates to listening to people about why they feel discriminated against. Um, I feel like this is a, a, a skill or a muscle that we really need to strengthen and hone. I'm wondering if you can share some insights into that, how you've strengthened your ability to speak your truth clearly and to use that to both empower other people's truth and to um, stand up for those when they're unable to speak their truth? Well, deep listening. I mean, that is always something that I think all of us can always work on. And I think that right now we're really being called. You know, I, I think that we're, you know, if I could speak freely for a moment, I think one of the challenges with media and, and, and social media is it's a very reactive world. And I think that when you understand the fundamentals of trauma, we 
without the skill set of really understanding that when we are in reactive mode, we're not allowing for time and space for everyone's individual process. And so that needs to be respected from the get-go. And I think that allowing for some time and space and everyone's individual process time is always much different. You know, I feel like I can be very good in a being state. I can be a deep listener and I can be right in the moment with someone. And then there's others that are listening, but it takes them longer to process the information. And we have to respect that. And I think that a lot of a lot of what's going on right now, when we are looking for connection, you know, this happened a lot with cancer survivors. I'll talk specifically about cancer survivors. And I, I've met a lot of women that say, you know, my husband doesn't understand, for example, or my friends don't understand me. But isn't that common as a mom, right? You have a baby and your friend doesn't have a baby and someone doesn't understand. And that can be any topic. And what I think the misconception is, How could the person without babies understand having a baby if they haven't experienced it themselves? So what's the missing link? I think for me, the missing link in being in so many of these circumstances in the direct experience is if I'm the person who went through the experience, whatever that is, cancer, war, COVID, mothering, and I want someone to understand me. There is a direct difference between understand and understanding. And if I could just like whisper that in everyone's ear, I can't expect someone else to understand my experience. You know, Swami Kashi always talks about that. There's not enough words to describe it in a way. And we try and that's it's very helpful when we share. But if my friend or the other person had tools to just have understanding, compassion, empathy, a deep sense of self where they can hold space. Molly, you taught me this in dyads. Most people haven't been in company with someone that can just truly hold space for whatever that other person is experiencing. And that is where true connection is. And so when we... When we're with one another, when we're going through all these experiences collectively, there needs to be more understanding. There's no way that I can possibly understand Black Lives Matter. I can do all of my homework, but as a white privileged woman, there's there's only so much that I can understand. It's But I can have understanding and I can have a responsibility to do the work, learn what I need to learn, make commitments to continually teach my children about all of the social equality and social responsibility as a human and as someone experiencing it on this earth. And I, I wish that that would be my wish. My wish would be that we, we would stop being so judgmental and be better listeners. Wow, that's that's I, I really like that 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 difference between understand me and have understanding, uh, and that's you know people are struggling with with this social justice thing, right? Uh, everybody's struggling with it because we all have this this perspective and frame of reference, and one thing we can do is is, is be understanding. I I remember um, 
Nikki, um, what you're, you're, you, one of one of your belief systems is that I know that community is a must. Mm. And in the context of breaking, for me, a trauma, I have to break it down. Coronavirus is too big for me. But if I understand what parts of this experience is is difficult for me, then I can chunk it down. I can talk about it. I can internalize it. And I, I think you did an, a really cool thing with with your community when you were having the, the, the breast cancer was that you told your community what they can do for you that would give you strength. And you, you wrote it down on cards for it. You mailed it to them and said, you know, tonight, grab one of your kids and, and dance for five minutes. That's what you can do for me. And can you explain that a little bit? Because I, 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 to me, this is a little bit about one, chunking it down, and two, you know, I think we have to tell our community and our loved ones what helps and what doesn't help, what is support, what is not support, because I don't know what's right for you in the moment, and yet we, we, it's hard for us to ask or to understand. So um, one of the things that I write in my journal every day is my future self, and that, that took some work because that's, that's belief systems. So even in you just talking about you know, me asking other people to dance in their living room. It, it like it lit my heart up. And at the same time, I felt a little anxious, like, oh gosh, like I'm asking people to do something on my behalf, something that brings me joy. But in the same moment, it really feels so good to know that I'm providing an experience for someone else. We all want to do great things for one another. I think all three of us are in great company to know that that we are we are in that mode. We're in the mode of always wanting, not necessarily to people please, but we, we want to be of service. And one of the things that I write in my journal every day is she asks for the things she needs in each and every moment. Now, that's not always easy, but in that moment, in the moment of of me going through breast cancer, I remember a lot of my community was reaching out to me and asking, how can we help? How can we help? What can I do? What can I do? And I really feel like all of the, all of the things that I had in my toolbox that I had just freshly learned from Molly and from Swami Kashi and, you know, just from the really close knit community was you can actually help by helping yourselves by creating a life for yourself that is filled with joy. And that, that knowing that my community is strong and is consciously in awareness of trying to bring even just small experiences like dancing in the kitchen to the everyday, that for me in that moment of my, excuse my language, shittiest times, really brought such beautiful, beautiful peace to me. Not only peace, it brought playfulness. I, you know, and, and people were reaching out in a way that was not like, how can I help? When I specifically told them exactly what to do, as in, if you do this, that will actually help me. But it was, it's a big ask, right? Like, I right. remember a lot of people said to me, wow, like your 16 days are, this is, this is a lot of work. Like, you got to do a lot of things, you know? And I think that when you start to really, you know, work on, the journey of meditation or the 
daily practices of joy and playfulness, you start to realize there's so much transformation here. In my stuckness, there's clarity. And when I'm curious about life, I start to really unveil all of the things that are joyous. Nick, could you talk a little bit about the Let's Radiate project, just since you're touching on it, to, to speak more about what it what it is and how people can get involved? Mm-hmm. So the Let's Radiate project was inspired by um, a time during treatment. So I had surgery, a double mastectomy with no reconstruction. And I was moving into, after surgery, I was moving into doing radiation. And I was doing 16 rounds of radiation. And I had done radiation with cervical cancer, and it was really difficult. I think a lot of people associate chemo with, you know, this is another stigma. You know, chemo is, I've also done chemo. It's very difficult. Radiation, I mean, anything that kills cancer is intense, right? So it was, I really went into a dark place just before I went into radiation treatment. And I remember vividly sitting in the basement floor of the um, oncology unit. And I remember feeling like I wanted to leave. Like I I actually packed up my things and I said to Victor, I'm done. I can't, I can't be here. I don't, I I don't want to be in this experience. I'm out. Like I've done this before. And I really went into a really dark place. And then we, you know, he was like, he said to me, shouldn't you do your breathing exercises? (laughs) Which in the moment I was like, breathing exercises. Are you kidding? (laughs) Which then I did, you know, I got into a place where I went outside, I did some breathing, I came back in and I was in a more centered place. When I came back into the hospital, I remember thinking, if I'm going to be here in this hospital, that let's be honest, and any cancer hospital is not, it's not a very vibrant place. I knew that in order for me to survive and be in a place of peace and joy and playfulness, I had to create it. I had to create that experience for myself. When you talk about belief systems, I had to create the distinct reality that was playful, that was joyous, that had something other than what was going on, my inner resource. And that inner resource was asking my direct community to do all of the things that I love, all of the things in my toolbox, meditation, yoga, grocery store lineup, let someone in front of you write a love letter, all of these beautiful practices, I was asking, this is how they can help. They've been asking me how they can help. And now I have the answer. They can help by doing all of these beautiful things that I love when I may not be in the mood to do that. But just knowing that they are showing up for me is going to bring me so much love, so much joy and make my experience in this hospital every single day that which is that reality, just by thinking about, just by knowing that the commitment to my friends and family were going to do that. Now it was a big ask, but I knew that they would because they asked me directly. And then I came back with a very, uh, a very specific ask, but in turn, it, it was the difference between my experiences was, I mean, it was, I don't think many people have, when I talk about my cancer experience, it's been one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I was so connected through my friends and community in a way that I had never been before. Well, it's a beautiful, as as someone who had the good fortune to receive the Let's Radiate project, which by the way, anyone can order it from Nikki's website, letsradiate.ca, right? 
yeah, feel that, feel that.ca. Oh, sorry. Feel that.ca. Um, .ca? .ca. Feel that.ca. For the Canadians yeah. in the crowd. Yeah. But anyone can order it. She'll send it to you. Um, but when I received it, it was such an interesting thing because so often when people ask for help, it almost comes from a place of vic- victimhood. Not almost. It does often come from a place of victimhood or from um, desperation, one could say. It's almost, um, it was almost, even though I work and live in trauma, it was, it kind of took me aback. It was so jarring to have Nikki's request be, could you dance with your son and like write love letters and do all, it's like, hell yeah, I can do that. And would you share that with Nikki? Like every time you did one? Sometimes I would. I didn't overwhelm her, but I would send her pictures and do different Uh things. So it was really cool. You know, and of course the law of karma that, you know, we talk about, um, you know, it's in every religion in different ways, you know. Um, but uh, what you give, you receive, you know. Ask for what, you know, give what you want. If I want to be happy, I will try to bring happiness to others. If I want to feel love, I will share love with others. You know, if I want to have a prosperous life, I'll help other people have prosperous lives or to appreciate the abundance that they already have. Molly, can I jump on this? I'm yes. going to give I'm going to give Nikki a, a a break to drink a couple of sips of water. I'm going to ask you a question, and then I, Nikki, you jump on this, okay? Um, sort of this goes back into sort of the duality: opposites can live together. How do you, when you're living in trauma, practice gratitude? Well, I think. I mean, to, to just continue on with the note that we were talking about and to then to continue it into this, what Nikki was doing was inviting us to be grateful that we had the chance to dance with our kids and the chance to write love letters and the chance to be healthy and the chance to cook a beautiful meal for the people you love and a chance to meditate in your own home or to go for a walk in nature, which were at that moment things she didn't have. So in moments of trauma, to have a gratitude practice is really so much about, you know, at any given moment, even I remember Nikki saying this, even when she was going through cancer, even though you, you know, as we're talking about choice, even though she didn't have a choice about the cancer, there there were also billions of things happening right in her body in that moment. Yeah, some things were happening wrong, but there were billions of things happening right. And Nikki's now cancer free. So, you know, lots of things happened right in her body. Mm-hmm. So, and in, in that sense too, with trauma, of course, I never say to someone who's newly experiencing trauma, like someday the worst thing that happened to you will be the thing that you learn the most from if you really follow it all the way to the way to the other end. And I think most people with trauma, it's not that you ever look back and say, you know, wow, I'm so glad that I lived through cancer. But what you can be thankful for is that you lived through it and learned all these things and created all this good in that way, Um, like you said earlier, Nikki. So I think the gratitude really comes from anchoring to the lessons that are coming from it and... um, and from realizing, like, oftentimes it's through those times of hardship when we, f- we form our deepest connections, when we learn our strength, when we find our voice, when we know how to ask for help, um, and we do the things um, that we need to do to thrive under adverse circumstances. So put that in the context of what's going on now with the coronavirus and with the social justice movement and everybody's on edge and, you know, everybody's feeling deeply uh, difficulties and, and stress. How, how do you talk to 
you know, in your practice to people about making space for gratitude in the middle of it? Well, it's it's a good question. I the feeling I've had throughout it um, has been to listen. It has been to be grateful for the chance to listen because I feel like people really want to be heard. And so it's taking that time uh, to go inside myself and really evaluate my belief systems and find the places where I'm still harboring racism or judgment of any kind towards any people and being grateful for the chance to find those parts. So, um, I mean, I think anytime there's some deep disturbance, um, there's a, there's, you know, it's kind of this, there's a falling apart that's necessary sometimes before a reorganization. Sort of deconstruction before the construction. Yeah. And, and I mean, the civil rights act passed in 1964 and we see that (laughs) there's still a long way to go before people are truly equal in this or have an equal opportunity. It's one thing to be equal according to a law. It's a much different reality to grow up without an education or in challenging situations and think that you're going to have an equal chance. So I think in some way it's like that sense of gratitude that we can have the conversation now and then how to stay in it from a sense of proactivity instead of like if a negative emotion arises, be like, okay, what do you want? What do you need? What kind of action is there to take? And sometimes that action is just to listen and to send love and to, and other times it's something very direct and very specific. Like this is how I need you to help me and to be grateful that people have the chance to speak that truth and for us all to cultivate compassion. I don't know, Nick, what do you say about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm listening to you and I, I'm just like, it, it almost felt like as you were talking, there was like this flashback of like watching a film of, you know, your whole life is sort of flashing in these, these moments. And, and now I have a new storyline and there, it's kind of like a lot of people are talking pre COVID post COVID of like where we're at. And I can identify with that with pre-cancer post-cancer and both experiences being completely different and, and learning new things. And I, when I hear you speaking, what I'm seeing as I'm looking visually at everything passing by is the growth, is the commitment to deep listening, is the commitment to a deeper understanding. And when we are asked to pause, which we were asked to pause, we really have to be comfortable. And Molly, you talk about this often. We have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Like we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And most are not, they're not willing to sit with that because it really, it's, it's very, it's irritating. It, it brings up a lot of different things and it, and it brings up trauma. It brings up layers of it's, you know, generally never the current thing that is the unveiling of it. It's it, it, when you're asked to sit quietly and sit with that, it's, it's very deep. And so many people, if they're not comfortable with just sitting in it and even just sitting quietly, you know, silence has been a big part of my practice now. And many people say to me, well, you're a mom, like, how do you do that? Or where do you go? Or what do you, how do you retreat? And, you know, sure, we can all go to a beach and we can go to an ashram or we can go to the mountain retreat. But 
real retreating is integration into your real life. You need to be able to find retreat in the everyday. And whether that's through daily practice, whether that's through practicing silence, even for an afternoon, turning off your phone. And I think a lot of the things that we're talking about right now are cultivating those practices so that we have them. And then we start to look into, you know, our belief systems and then forgiveness. My goodness, like that could be a whole other podcast on we're in a state right now where we really have to be able to sit with that and, and look into that topic of forgiveness. And it's, it's a lot depending on where you're, where you're sitting with that. And it's, if it's the first time that you're evaluating your belief systems, the topic of forgiveness, I don't know. It's hard to like, as you're saying this, it's like, I start to realize like, wow, you know, how, how is it easier for someone else? You know, that often comes up like, Oh, it's easier for you. It's, you know, one of, one of my belief systems is that I believe that simple is good. And in my meditations, you know, I finish my meditation with gratitude. And, you know, in, in meditation and in Eastern practice, the breath is really important, right? The, the breath is, is, is how you, not only how you have life, but also the breath is, is your, your inner self, is your present, is your present. And, you know, in the context of coronavirus, People are dying because they can't take a breath. They're on ventilators. And, and I'm just so grateful every morning and every night when I do my meditation for breath, for, for, for life. And, and it's, it's down to its most simplest core is, you know, to, for me to practice gratitude in the middle of this crisis is I wake up every morning and, you know, there's life. There's, and, and, and it, to, I find it you know, comforting for me to distill things down to their simplest way. Yeah. And definitely the breath can be something that holds so much. And it's, it's interesting too, because I think gratitude can play such an important role in helping us navigate a circumstance. And I, I'm just going to speak from personal experience on this because I don't know what anyone else's is. But I've also found that sometimes gratitude can keep me from being with something that feels uncomfortable that I don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting that there's two dear friends, um, Anthony Torres and, and Hippolito Arriaga, who have an amazing theater troupe called Combat Hippies, which actually we should interview them. Um but it was interesting. We did something together. Um, a, a couple we've we've taught retreats together, and I asked them after one of the retreats, and this was a while ago, it was before the current situation. I said, you know, I always want to know, like, is there something that I need to see that I'm not seeing? And um, it was interesting that what they said was something that I am very grateful for, Hans, but it was something that was highly uncomfortable in the moment. Which they said, when you help people. You need to find a way to help them in a way that honors their background and belief system and doesn't assume that your way is the better way. Now, what did that mean? And as I asked them into it, they said, sometimes when we try to help people, it's like, and I'll relate this back to racial um, context now, um, it's almost like we try to help people in a white way be black like okay like here you're you're black you have a black culture i'll help you learn to be white (laughs) now it doesn't necessarily have to be in the racial context it can also be in the way of 
um, navigating a difficult situation. There's so many ways that this could apply. But it's interesting because, like, I think the easier question sometimes is to say, like, what am I grateful for? But a harder question can sometimes be, like, what do I need to see that I'm not seeing and when we talk about holding opposites, it's like, what am I grateful for? But not only what am I grateful for, but like, what is this problem on the other side? And how can I understand it from like a different perspective? And so the role we can play in each other's life is to ask those tough questions and to say, what am I not seeing, especially to the people close to us? And that comment they made, it was hard in the moment. And I still sit with it. Like, how can I help people do things in the way that's authentic for them? and not try to get them to do it in the way that I do it. I think it's the understanding, having understanding versus exactly. trying to understand. Yeah. I think, you know, there's also this whole concept of, of judge, all of this stuff that's going on, there's a lot of judgmentalism happening. How people are responding, how people are reacting, when, when the reality is forget how people are reacting and try to have some understanding of what's creating this. You know, and and then you know, I was telling you, Molly, about this friend of mine that that just sort of got very aggressive on a situation with me. But I'm just sort of completely discarding that because we're in this moment of trauma, and there's all kinds of stuff going on with that person that I'm not going to unpack it in time to be responsive. I almost have to put aside the how and say I'm going to be, in, in Nikki's words, understanding. I'm not going to try to understand why they're doing what they're doing, why they're saying what they're saying, why they're acting the way they're acting. I need to be understanding as opposed to try to understand. And I, that's been really helpful for me, Nikki, um, because I, I, I think that's where sort of you, you, can, you can unpack a very complex thing in a way that, that resonates inside. Yeah, and those uncomfortable moments where there's that reconciliation, there's such potency. And usually, almost always, there's some point behind it that, that is right. true, too. Otherwise, it wouldn't feel uncomfortable. I love using The Great Courses Plus. It keeps me learning about the world. It's so easy to use while I'm cooking dinner or driving or flying on a plane or doing any of the other things I do in my day, working in the garden. Uh, you can start your free month today to see for yourself. You can sign up at thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash molly. There's so much to discover at The Great Courses Plus from classics like history, literature, science to hobbies and leisure, activities like gardening, playing guitar, cooking. You can also look at courses that provide insights into things you might never have noticed before. Sometimes Great Courses has courses on things that I didn't know I needed, but then when I watch it, I think, oh my gosh, my life is such a broader place because I heard this. Um, one of those courses that I've been listening to this past couple of weeks is called Masterpieces of the Imaginative Mind, and it goes through different uh, pieces of literature throughout history that are real creative works and talks about what makes them like that. It's absolutely fascinating. So this streaming service offers engaging lectures about anything and everything from the experts themselves. And with Great Courses Plus, 
including the app. You can watch anytime, anywhere from any device. You can stream to your internet connected TV in the living room and then toggle over to your phone while cooking dinner. Uh, so we have a special offer for you because I know you're going to love Great Courses Plus too. Don't wait any longer. Now's the perfect time to sign up for this limited time deal. Start exploring with your free month trial at thegreatcoursesplus, all spelled out, dot com slash Molly, thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash Molly. Yeah, I, I, you, you said something, um, I, I guess it was in an interview about the sort of the first time you went through cancer and then how you went through it after the Yoga Nindra. You said, the first time my entire life being viewed like a movie reel and fast forward and slow motion all at once, there was nothing I could do to now see it, to not see it. Now it was, I see everything for what it is. My awareness is alive and everything I say and do matters in every moment. Life is happening for me and I'm responsible for how I respond. And I, I think that, that, that that's a, a really beautiful way for, for saying that. And I, I, it, it ties into this slowing down, right? And, and being able to actually internalize what's going on before you respond to it. Yeah, I mean, it's so sweet that you even said that because going back to when Molly was speaking, it felt that way. So <laughs> it's so amazing how things work out. As I was viewing my life, it looked like fast forward for the first couple of years. And then it started to look, it, it, there was like a change into the fast forward motion into a direct experience through awareness. And then the, the showing up to just seeing it for what it is and, and sitting with that. It's, it's almost like it, it's going backwards, you know, and um, that's my yeah. actual experience. And that's been the gift of, really yeah. like meeting Molly, knowing these practices. Yours and mine in meeting her. Oh, love you guys. You know what's interesting, Nikki, is it's, it's, it's what we're really saying is in the middle of trauma, the best thing to do is slow down and stare it straight in the face. And that's probably the hardest thing to do in the middle of trauma, right? It, it's almost counterintuitive to say, concentrate on it more because it, it will alleviate and, and it will help your ability to deal with it, right? Yeah, but I, what I think, what what I think, or what I know in my own personal experience, and what I'm hearing collectively from so many people during this time, is they're really feeling a lot of resistance when they're trying to move. And I'm saying, well, then stop moving. You know, you oh, I love that. Fix and change everything. Stop doing that, and and you know, and and sit quietly. The fixing changing agenda is like a a hell hole. Like if you try to fix and change your way out of a situation, it's like the suffering is not in the problem itself. It's in our response to the situation. The suffering comes in wanting reality to be different than what it is. And, and so at first it's like the gut response that I'm going to change something immediate outside, but the deeper work and what's really going to help us find the peace is when we can find that reconciliation inside and what no matter what situation we're looking at whether it's response to COVID or life changes or the, the equality situation there are beliefs that need to be let go of there are beliefs that need to be transformed and it takes really courageous work and self-reflection and also a really quality peer group of people who have your best interest at heart to say like 
you know what? What would it be like to look at that one over there and see how see how that one's working out for you? And to notice how every single perception we have is creating our reality. Like every set reception, every single perception is a creation and it is creating our reality. So if you're not happy with reality, you got to go back to the ingredients that are that are putting it together to make it that way. So I just, um, I love hearing it through both of the prism of, of, of both of the prism of both of your perspectives. Um, and also, you know, I want to just, we, we're nearing the end in terms of time, but I want to ask you both a question and I'm happy to answer it too. What's one belief that you've really located in yourself you know, let's say within the past six months that really needed transformation? I would say time. You know, I think time, <clears throat> this is a really interesting topic right now. It's something that, you know, when faced with death, it's been, it's a big topic of conversation and how we spend our time. Like there's so many ways of looking at it. How do we, how do we spend our time? What does time mean? Am I using Am I treating time like a relationship with respect? And so I am really trying to change my belief with time in a way that works for me, as in I am time, I am timeless, and I respect time, and I'm working on daily practices to allow for more of it. You know, like that deeply rooted, I don't have enough time for this. I think everyone can speak to that. And I'm really trying, I'm not trying, I am committed to working on the relationship with time to have a very healthy and fulfilling new belief that it's on my side. I think um, mine are not, they're beliefs I had, but my perspective on them or my perspective on how much work I have to do on them has deepened. Um, and they're, they're as follows. Uh, you know, I believe we have an obligation towards others and I don't believe in standing on the sidelines. And I think that now has a, a different meaning for me than when I wrote those two years ago. And I also wrote, I believe in leaving no loved ones behind. And the whole idea of how much reaching out to loved ones uh, needs to happen or how much more important it is than even I thought at the time when I when I did my work on my, on my beliefs. Um, and I think this this time of slowing down has allowed me to, to really look at that, to, to, to think about, you know, who is my closest community, the people I love, and how do I feel about the time I'm spending with them and the, the support I'm giving them? And then grander things is, you know, what, what does it really mean to me when I say I don't want to stand on the sidelines? Um, I'm going to do a lot more thinking about that, Nikki, on this uh, understanding versus trying to understand because I, I think that's in many ways a way that I'm going to be able to get off the sidelines and 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 be participatory in, in the solution or in the or in the in the, the general understanding of that so thank you how about you Molly this has many kind of tentacles but I think the biggest belief I've been sitting with lately is is really I think I spent a lot of my life I always say that like the truth must also be kind like truth also needs to be kind, but it's similar to you where like, I still believe that that's true. It's still one of my beliefs, but the way in which I think it has changed 
because I think before I would just not say things because I was afraid of hurting someone and I thought that was kind. But now I, I don't think that's true. In fact, I think a lot of what's been required in, in, in our human relationships and in our relationships as a society has been speaking things that are extremely difficult in a way that's hopefully not hurtful or malicious, but that kindness sometimes isn't comfortable. Well, what comes from the heart sometimes is is hard, is harsh, mm-hmm. needs to be harsh. Yes, and that to be able to do that with respect on a field of love and to be able to find the transformation that happens in that space is uh, so much more ultimately kind because it's not putting a band-aid. It's actually creating something meaningful for both people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that makes total sense because I'm still in it. But I, I it have, doesn't have to make sense. I have eight different tentacles that that applies to in my life right now. I know, I know two or three of them. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a bunch that um, that it's been, yeah, it's been in the mix of. Nikki, I love you so full-heartedly. Thank you for being the embodiment of everything that you are. Thank you. Nikki, leave us, leave us for our listeners with, with one kernel of experience in these tough times. Mm. Well, I am really working and still, I think this will be a, a lifelong work of on in forgiveness. And um, I've been really exploring judgment. It's really feeling very present right now. And one of the things that I'm really working on each and every day is when I'm in judgment of another, is it born out of, you know, a wounded place in me and myself? And when I can look at it from that place, can I bring the same forgiveness to the place in me? Mm. Yes. Because there is always the internal mechanism that also needs forgiving. That was, uh, boy, we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Round two, Nikki. Yeah. Thank you so much. What a great conversation. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you both. And um, stay healthy and well and snuggle those beautiful babies over there for me. I will. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Nikki. Take good care. Okay. Our podcast, Conversations Matter, is produced by Amalia Briggs. Our sound engineer is Matthew Tucker. And our amazing sponsor is The Great Courses Plus. Thank you. We couldn't do it without you.